So here we are, another Advent season is upon us. Uh, this truly is the time of year that we prepare for the return of Christ. Now some of you, like me, are maybe a bit smart aleck and you say, well, he didn't go anywhere. It's true. But uh, we, we, this is the year where we anticipate uh, his return. Uh, so it's uh, very exciting. I have a liturgy. Some of you will know what that word is. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I have a liturgy that I want to share today with our church family, if that's okay. Uh, the words will be on the screen, although they may be quite small, so you need to listen close. Here's the liturgy. As we prepare our house for the coming Christmas season, we would also prepare our hearts for the returning Christ. You came once for your people, O Lord, and you will come for us again. Though there was no room at the inn to receive you upon your first arrival, we would prepare you room here in our hearts and here in our home, Lord Christ. As we decorate and celebrate, we do so to mark the memory of your redemptive movement into our broken world, O oh God. Our glittering ornaments and Christmas trees, our festive carols, our sumptuous feasts. By these small tokens, we affirm that something amazing has happened in time and space. That God, on a particular night, in a particular place, so many years ago, was born to us an infant king our prince, prince of peace. Our wreaths and ribbons and colored lights, our giving of gifts, our parties with friends, these have never been ends in themselves. They are but small ways in which we repeat that sounding joy first proclaimed by angels in the skies near Bethlehem. In view of such great tidings of love announced to us and to all the people, to all people, how can we not be moved to praise and celebration in this Christmas season? As we decorate our tree and as we feast and laugh and sing together, we are rehearsing our coming joy. We are making ready to receive the one who has already with open arms received us. We will prepare you room here in our hearts and here in our home, Lord Christ. Now we celebrate your first coming, Emmanuel. Even as we long for your return, O Prince of Peace, our elder brother returns soon. We miss you so. Amen. So what is Advent? That's a, my first question for us today. What is Advent? I read this this week and it was so simple, even I understood it and I thought I'd share it. Simply, Advent means arrival. In our passage today, we see the arrival of these angels, a great heavenly host proclaiming that Jesus has been born. Advent, Advent for me officially marks a waiting period for the Son of God to be born. That's why we light the candle each week to represent Christ's arrival coming. So here's another question. Is it important to celebrate this waiting period? Why do we even celebrate it, dude? Well, I think it's important. The Christmas season for me sometimes reminds me of a few things. Do you know that each of us are likely waiting for something? We're waiting for something. Some for a resolution. Some for a diagnosis, a relationship, a breakthrough, or a rescue. This season, I want to remind you to remember that our God in heaven, the God of this universe, has a message of hope for you. The candle uh, the over here and the word that was read a few moments ago, the word for us today is hope. 
As we've read our scripture passage today, let's reflect on it and set up this Advent season. The words written in scripture are easy for us to ignore uh, a simple fact, and this is what it is. Between Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book and first gospel of the New Testament, there was around four, maybe 500 years, four to 500 years of absolute silence from God. He didn't speak. Nothing has been recorded from God within that time period. You can imagine the questions from one generation to another. Imagine 400 years of absolute silence from God. From one generation to another, these questions could have persisted. Maybe they asked, has God vanished? Was he ever really there? Was faith in him just a waste? And as I thought of those questions this week, I also thought, well, frankly, some of these questions exist for us today sometimes. All of a sudden, though out of seemingly nowhere, the cry and declaration of these angels and the hosts of heaven, when they said, don't be afraid for a look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It comes from Luke 2 verse 10. Church, this is good news and great joy. That Jesus is coming. Our first thought today is simply this, just the right time. Just the right time. Galatians 4, chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. We think back to God's people, the ones I referred to earlier, after the book of Malachi was written. Before the first words of the book of Matthew and the coming of Jesus in flesh dwelling among us, God will enter our situation at the right time. God will enter our situation at the, just the right time. Our, or as Galatians says, God will enter our situation in the fullness of time. Remember those, uh, I love the people between the Old and New Testament. I don't know why, it's a little obsession of mine. Uh, especially at Christmas, I think a lot about it. But I love these folks because they knew that Jesus was prophesied about. They had the scriptures. They knew he was supposed to come. And yet they waited, and I'm sure people got upset wondering what was going on. God, why haven't you sent our Savior, the one that's going to redeem us? And Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter 4 reminds us that God sent his son in the fullness of time. I want to give you a word of encouragement today. Most, if not all of us, are waiting for something. If you feel that God hasn't come through in your situation at this moment, I want to encourage you. The Lord Jesus will break through at just the right time. He's coming at just the right time. Well, he hasn't done anything yet. It's okay. He's going to come at just the right time. Now, we must make sure we are daily, of course, submitting to the voice of the Spirit in our lives, make, making it a continual prayer and conversation. We could say something like, Holy Spirit, am I doing what you've called me to do today? Remember today, Jesus will come at just the right time. I really believe that's for someone here today. He's going to come at just the right time. Here's our next thought today. God works while we wait. 
Lamentations chapter 3 verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I have some uh, memories. I'm sure they're similar to yours. I have some memories of being very impatient when it came to Christmas morning when I was a kid. I remember as I grew older, as a child, and even into my teen years, I looked forward to Christmas morning. Every year, I looked, uh, on top of Christmas morning, I looked forward to gifts from my grandparents. That was always exciting for me, even as a teenager. On my dad's side of the family, there was enough uh, uh, cousins that it was pretty expensive for my grandparents to give, you know, a certain level of gifts to everybody. It was, it, you know, we'd, it was, there was enough of us. Uh, so uh, anyway, so they would do creative things each time. And some years, uh, my grandfather's favorite chocolate was Purdy's chocolate. And so we would get a Purdy's cho- Christmas chocolate thing. And usually they'd slip some money in there, maybe $10. I think it got up to $15 before we all got cut off because we were adults. Uh, but I would get excited about that. It was, it was awesome. If for some reason... Uh, if for some reason you got this gift from my grandparents on my dad's side, uh, and you were like, oh, it's, you know, it's just another Purdy's chocolate, well, you know. Uh, if for some reason you felt disappointed, my grandma had filled the chest freezer in the basement with sugar cookies. So we would go down there. It was actually, it was, it was a sin how much we ate, if you know what I mean. Like, it was, it was next level. And uh, anyways, it was so good. I think about it every year at this time. If you have memories similar to mine, we didn't like waiting at Christmas, maybe Christmas morning. And some of us are still like that. You know, uh, here's my next example. When I order uh, every one, couple years, don't ask me why, I don't want to give explanation. I order a new phone. And I'm impatient, waiting and waiting for it to show up. I'm at the door for the delivery person, waiting. Hello, the poor person that comes I check the online tractor, tracker all the time, wondering, where is this package? I've even figured out that if it gets to Garson after 11 a.m. in the morning, it's not showing up that day. I've learned that much. Most of us aren't good at waiting. Scripture tells us that we need to operate at a different level. God works while we wait. This is actually the subtitle of our message. I didn't put the title on the screen, but our, our theme today is hope. But if I was to add a subtitle, I would say, God works while we wait. I'd say that if you are waiting today for something, good. Because he's about to do something. Something new. Something you've never thought of. God works while we wait. Waiting is never wasted when we are waiting for God. Do you know what a thousand years in our life is to God? One day. So if he says to you, don't worry, I'll give it to you tomorrow. It's coming. But not necessarily on our time frame. That's part of hope. We have hope because we know even in waiting that God is at work in us, through us, and for us. God works in our waiting. If you're impatient like me for some things or maybe for all things, we need an extra dose of patience. We need to pray, God, would you help me here? I need some help. Because God works while we wait. 
He's not lazy. He's not slow to get around to things. God works while we wait. Our next thought today is this, choosing God's way. Isaiah 30, verse 15, the second half says, In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. Then a few verses later it says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. I believe there's a word, a message here for us today. Something that drives me nuts. Do you guys have anything that drives you nuts in life? Anything? I think Lincoln was going to say his dad. He had his hand way up. Something that bugs me, and it's actually totally out of my control, but I've seen it everywhere I've been in life. You and I, we give up on God too easily. Oh, he didn't come through. I prayed for it. When? Yesterday. we give up on God too easily we do it's so easy to bail on God especially at the first sign of trouble we just bail on him we give up the truth is I've bailed on Jesus I've bailed on him so many times really at the first sign of trouble we fret we worry we're in fear, we tremble, we rush, we settle for shortcuts in, instead of relying on God. Did you know that? We settle for shortcuts instead of relying on God. We take matters into our own hands. God didn't do it, so I'm going to do it. Because of this, we allow the weight of our problems to begin to crush us. We don't wait for God, and we also don't choose his way. Choosing, God will, choosing God's way actually brings freedom, ultimately, to our lives. It's like chores. At least this is what I relate it to. The, the list of chores can really get going, right? Like, I don't know if, you've, if you're a list person. Arlene sends me lists. I don't ask for them. They just show up as text messages. And she doesn't even tell me when she's going to send them. They're just there. The list can seem long, but if we just start checking them off one at a time, eventually we can find that we've completed our tasks. If you're like me, your list can feel overwhelming, right? Maybe there's some serious stuff on that list. But when I actually sit down and stop worrying and get to work with my tasks and get them done, I realized I was stressing over nothing. And it actually didn't take that long to get my tasks completed. I want you to remember this. This is a principle here. Making one wrong decision our way instead of God's way, it won't seem like a big deal when you do that. But we've all learned that when we make a lifetime of choosing our way instead of God's way, it feels like the weight of the burdens that we carry are completely overwhelming. 
some of us can actually look back to early points in our life. You know, I stand here today, I'm thankful I didn't make certain decisions when I was a teenager. I thought they were the great, I thought I'd, whoa, I really knew. You know, if you've had teens in your house, you know, they tell you, you don't know what you're talking about. Eventually, they, they may not say it that way, maybe they do. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I'm actually glad I leaned and relied on the Lord Jesus through a lot of those years. Not every time, but most of the time. We've all learned that when we make a lifetime of choosing our way instead of God's way, it feels like the weight of the burdens that we carry are completely overwhelming. So start with one thing. Pick it up like a stone and throw it away. Pick up a problem in your life. I would suggest the easiest one. They're the lightest. Pick it up, chuck it away. Then go to the next thing. The best things in life take time. If you've been doing things your way for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I would suggest it could take a while to make it right. It's not going to just change overnight. The best things in life take time. The enemy is crafty and determined to deceive us. Did you know that? The enemy, he's working 24-7 to deceive you and your family and everyone in your life. That's his job. He's got uh, uh, powers at work all the time just to deceive you and I. You see, the best things in life take time, and the enemy is crafty and determined to distract us, deceive us, to get us away from what God wants. Today, I want to encourage you, don't give in. Believe for God's best in your life and don't settle for anything less. Our next thought today is this. Jesus sets you free. Isaiah chapter 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planning of the Lord that he may be glorified. Today I want us to turn our gaze back to the name of Jesus. Jesus is the place where healing begins. If you need healing today in your life, no matter what form that healing is, the place where you begin is Jesus. In the book of Luke, Jesus declares uh, that the promise I just read in Isaiah 61 is fulfilled through Jesus. That promise is fulfilled. Today you may say uh, to me that your life is not recoverable. You may say, it's too messed up. Maybe you live in ashes. Maybe an absolute defeat to the circumstances of your life. Maybe some of the things in your life are your fault. You did it. It's your fault. Maybe some things, it's not your fault. Jesus today has the power to rebuild and restore. No questions asked. That's how powerful he is. 
He can take the shambles of our life and bring them back together. I read this uh, quote by Louis Giglio. I want to share it today. It says this, Jesus has the power to rebuild and restore. Reach out for him and let him take your hand. He's not trying to take something from you, but do something for you. Something he alone can do. Some of us know that there's things in our life that only Jesus can accomplish. You and I can't do it. We just have to turn to him. Turn to Jesus for the answers, for the breakthrough. Jesus sets you free. Here's our next one. I think it's our final. Yes, it is. The rest of the worship team could join poor Pastor Chris here. He's been standing for a couple hours. Here's our final thought today. By his wounds, we are healed. I read this earlier. Isaiah 53, verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs uh, griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This scripture, of course, is familiar, it's the second time you've heard it today. When you consider Jesus and his sacrifice for you, for me, everything changes. It was brought up to me recently, and I thought of this, and it's true. I see it in some people, but I don't always see it in everyone. But every single one of us needs to take a moment every once in a while and just think about Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us. Is it real? Did it even happen? We need to ask that question. Jesus, did it even happen? I say that today because some of us I'm not wired this way, so I don't understand it completely, but some of us just tend to believe things. We don't actually process what it means. We just grab on to stuff. It could be anything. Religious things, non-religious things. When you consider Jesus and his sacrifice for you, for me, it changes everything. Do you know that in God's kingdom, there's no enemies? We're not supposed to be enemies with each other. Because he loves us all equally. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Male, female. What part of the world you're from, from, you know. Well, I'm from this place. Good. He loves you. I'm from this place. Good. He loves you. I'm from Espanola. Good. He loves you. It's a... No matter where you're from, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. 
He loves us. And do you know what? He loves you even if you don't even know him. He loves you if you hate him. He still loves you. He loves you even if you just go through life and don't really think about anything. You're just a blob wandering. He still loves you. He's proud of you. He wants to speak to you and get to know you better. And for well, for you to get to know him better. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, whatever your circumstance is. He loves you. When you consider Jesus and his sacrifice for you, that he came, that God, God came down in flesh. He chose to come to be the God-man in flesh, to dwell among us. When he was in his 30s, like me, although he was younger than me now, because I'm kind of almost out of the 30s. But anyways, he gave his life up for you and for me. And three days later, no one expected it, he rose again. When you consider Jesus and his sacrifice for you, everything changes. You are set free from everything in your life. That's what the word promises us. Well, pastor, I still have some addictions to certain things. Yeah, I know. But the power of Jesus is in you. When you consider Jesus and his sacrifice for you, everything changes. Jesus, in order to come to us in flesh, gave up his rights as God and took on a human flesh, just like you and I. Jesus came to take on our sin and shame, and even though he was innocent, Jesus was perfect. That's why his death actually meant something. If they killed me on the cross, it wouldn't do anything. I'd just be dead. That'd be it. Same for you. But because Jesus was perfect, sinless. That's why when people say, well, Jesus, he wasn't perfect, then he wasn't God. Simple as that. That's someone else you're talking about. Someone like me. Jesus was perfect. Completely innocent. And he was pierced for every single wrong thing that you and I have done. And he took our guilt and our shame. He put it on himself. The good news, though, is that the price Jesus paid clears our account. Have you ever owed money to someone? Maybe you, you borrowed $5. You bought a car. You didn't, pay the, you didn't have all the money, so you had to pay the bank back. It sucks. Right? Some of us, you know, it just, it just sucks. The money flying out. People think you have money. No, we don't. We're just paying things. We got no money. Jesus paid our account of sin. It's cleared. We don't owe anything. Well, Pastor, I'm a pretty good person. You may be, but you've sinned. You you have. I don't care who you are, how good you've been. You good people don't get to heaven. Saved people do. There's lots of good people in hell. There's lots of people that we think are bad. They're in heaven. Why? Because they've been set free. Because of the blood of the Lamb. The good news is that the price Jesus paid clears our account. Even though each of us deserves punishment, the punishment of death for our sins, we are forgiven because of Jesus. 
just like we've said a few times today, by his wounds, we are healed. We're going to pray. And the worship team is going to lead us in that last song. Uh, I want to speak the name of Jesus. I don't even know what it's called. Anyways, let's pray. Would you stand with me, actually? So, God, we just thank you for today. Lord, we speak the name of Jesus in this place over sickness, darkness, and every single enemy. We speak the holy name of Jesus in this place. God, I'm believing for chains of bondage to be broken in our campuses today. Lord, those that have come and they're just, life is just pulling them down, whoever that may be. Lord, we think of those who have family members just like me who are in need of a divine touch from you, Lord Jesus, today. Jesus, there are young people that need a touch from you to heal their bodies and rid them of disease. Father, there are people in their later years in life that need a touch from you to rid their body of disease. We have names for them on this side of heaven, but Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would heal our bodies today. From the youngest to the oldest, I don't care their circumstance, their position, their stage in life, whatever, their circumstance is inconsequential when it comes to you, Lord Jesus. We pray for healing in their bodies today. So Jesus, we speak your name in this place. Lord, I pray that your name echoes across the land. Lord, that in this season it would reverberate. Lord, even as people drive down Highway 6 in Espanola down the Little Current, Lord, and they see the angels at night with the horns and the, the old lights that are on the light post, I pray in Jesus' name that it would bring hope in a hopeless world. God, today we, I just believe for your spirit and power to work in a supernatural way in our lives, Lord. God, would you give us strength today? Father, we again, we pray for healing in Jesus' name. Jesus, I pray for restoration for people and their families and their friendships and their circumstances, Lord. Whatever they're facing, we pray uh, that, God, you would uh, heal those situations. Lord, we pray for the workers in our community who are finding themselves without work right now because of the business situations in our community. God, I pray that you would supernaturally provide for those that are in need, Lord. God, that you would provide in a, in a way that they cannot say is anything but you at work in their lives. So God, we declare today, Jesus, your name is power. Jesus, your name is life in every single situation. God, would your spirit be with us as we sing this song today. In Jesus' name, amen.